today on the Zabecast. By the way some TV pundits reacted, you would have thought they had knocked down the Vince Lombardi statue and dragged it through downtown. Don't cry for Mike McCarthy. He had it coming. Kareem Hunt is an idiot. And the Shield is still clueless, but guess what? He's no Ray Rice. All of that plus the college football playoff in week 13 around the NFL. Your essential Sports Talk Day starter is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Monday, December 3rd, 2018. Thank you for downloading End of the Line for Big Mac in Green Bay. We'll lead with that. Plus, we got another heartbreak for Georgia as the Final Four is set in college football. Kareem Hunt stars in Ray Rice 2, Hotel Boogaloo. And Week 13 of the NFL was weird on a lot of fronts. So let's get right to it. Ding dong. Big Mac is finally gone. I thought this day would never come. As somebody who recommended on the air in full voice with no reservations and no hesitations that Mike McCarthy should have been fired in the wake of the loss to Seattle in the NFC Championship game three years ago. Four, uh, the years fly by when you're not winning Super Bowls. As somebody who has said a long time ago, this guy is a this guy's a zilch. I mean, he's all right. I mean, he's not a terrible head coach, but man, Aaron Rodgers has been spackling over his myriad mistakes and his relentless cowardice when it comes to winning football games for years. And so he is now finally out. And it took this debacle against Arizona to do it. Today was a day to reassert yourself as a team if you're the Packers. Hell, the rest of the division lost. The Bears lost, surprisingly, to a Giants team that was supposed to be checked out several weeks ago. They're playing some pretty good football. Minnesota had a tough date in New England, and the Patriots did what the Patriots do. They folded them up, and they threw them away. This was a game for the Mike McCarthy-led Green Bay Packers to get their ass in gear, to dust this turd of an opponent, a 2-9 and nine team that was a 14-point underdog from Arizona playing in the snow with a rookie quarterback and a first-year head coach. And you lose that game. <laughs> For every pundit out there, and there were way too many, we'll get to them in a second, that were crying about, ah, oh, I can't believe you fired a Super Bowl winning coach in the middle of the season. Yes. Yes, you fired him. You needed to fire him. How could you not? Like I said, if you can't get your team tuned up as a head coach in the NFL, tuned up and ready to go destroy an Arizona Cardinal team on a day like today, you ain't the dude no more. You ain't the dude whether or not you know a ton of football, don't know any football, or whether your message is great or your message message is stale. Either you can't do it or your guys don't give a shit about you. They often say that players get coaches fired because players stop playing for their coach. That could be the case with the Packers. Packers also could just be not very talented in a number of key areas. And that's another argument for another day. 
And yes, Aaron Rodgers, what the fuck? He does not look like his usual superhero self. But at the end of the day, McCarthy has been the parking brake that has been stuck on as your grandmother drives what should be a fast sports car down the road winning games. And now he is finally out of the picture. So yes, today was absolutely the day to fire him, and I love that he didn't see it coming. That's another reason why, if you think, well, maybe we shouldn't have fired him. Oh, no. The fact that McCarthy didn't think this would happen tells you he's too fucking arrogant for his own good. This is the same guy that had to say, let's face the facts, I'm a highly successful football coach, when criticism was starting to build a couple of years ago. This is the same coach that said arrogantly, as Brett Hundley was just unleashing a reign of holy, terror, awful football, one rollout and a throwaway at a time, time after time after time. This is the same coach who said, I like the way my quarterback room is right now. It's right where it needs to be. Arrogance. This guy was so arrogant. No sense of, holy shit, I'm going to get fired. The last time McCarthy had a sense of, holy shit, I could get fired, was way back when Favre was still there. And in the dying days of Favre, Favre just doing whatever Favre wanted, uh, basically McCarthy had to you know call him out and say, hey, you can't do that shit. I'll get fired. Since then, it's been downhill ever since. Yeah, the, he won a Super Bowl. That's that's great. That's great. The, you know, Gary Kubiak won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. We're going to put him up in that same echelon? Yeah, I look at McCarthy and I think he's kind of like John Fox. He's a fatter John Fox, but with a ring. And in today's world, so many pundits just worship the ring. There is a commercial... And I believe it's a progressive commercial with uh, that god-awful pitch woman, Flo, who I'm sure tests well with focus groups, but I cannot stand her. And she does a spot, I think it's a radio spot, in which she mimics and mocks sports radio. And she pretends to be a caller saying, it's all about the rings. It's about the rings. It's about the championship rings. I get the rings. It's a great spot because it really is like a lot of people argue in sports. So stupid that that would be the bar. Yes, of course, winning a championship is the point of everything. But just because you don't win that last game, the sample size is so infinitesimal for most coaches. If you get three chances to play in a title game, that's a tiny sample of games. It may You may have run up against the better team. All three times. So John Fox went to two Super Bowls. He lost one with the Carolina Panthers and Jake DeLome against the budding Patriots dynasty in a back-and-forth thriller that was won by an Adam Vinatieri field goal. And then the other one he lost when the Seattle Seahawks and the Legion of Boom just steamrolled him and Peyton Manning in New Jersey. Nobody was going to beat Seattle as they were peaking at that point, and that defense was sick. Overall record, I think McCarthy's is slightly better. Uh, Fox, though, has dealt with inferior talent, especially at quarterback, <clears throat> Jake DeLome, in another city. You know, Fox was a he was a good coach. And McCarthy was a good coach for a while, but he has sucked for quite a while. 
So the insane worshiping of rings goes on, and the weird worshiping of McCarthy by some, it just, it puzzles me. Adam Shine, shine on sports. He's got to get a lot of offers. I tell you what, he's going in the ring of fame. Uh, really? I've been told on my Twitter timeline by several Packer fans that you have to be in the Hall of Fame to get into the Packer ring of honor or ring of fame. So, yeah, that may not happen. Holmgren got a street named after him, but I don't think he's in the ring of honor either. And maybe at some point they'll come to appreciate what Mike McCarthy did and say, yes, you won a Super Bowl. Although, again, let's go back to that Super Bowl. I mean, Rodgers, that whole playoff run, Rodgers played out of his mind. He had a quarterback rating, a passer rating against Atlanta that year. He went through them like shit through a tin horn, as good old Nick Saban would say. Like a a passer rating of 150 or something absurd. And they found a running game that year. They found a running game at just the right time, even as there was a ton of injuries that piled up along the way. And they almost didn't win that Super Bowl. It took Rodgers playing great and outdueling Big Ben and making one particular back-breaking throw to Greg Jennings over the middle that is now immortalized by NFL films and the highlights of it. Every time I see it, I go, God, it was that close to being tipped or picked off, whatever, but that's the margin of error it takes. So, yes, McCarthy has won a Super Bowl. Good for him. He will probably get an interview somewhere. I don't know how many. I don't know how many people are going to be clamoring for him. I think that's a bit overblown. I think he'll land as a coordinator somewhere, sure. And that's fine. He could go back to being a coordinator. There's no shame in that. But everyone who is jocking, you know, the greatness of Mike McCarthy, and Adam Shine was one, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy's like, you don't do that in the middle of a season. (laughs) Why not? There was several people that said, hey, this is a mercy kill. Do you think McCarthy would have liked to have had a month of questions of, Sue, Sue, yeah. Think you're going to get fired? Oh, yeah. No, you're definitely going to get fired. Yeah, okay. What's your answer? Uh Uh-huh, right. Keep grinding away. Do what's right by the Packers. Yeah, okay, great. I'm just going to write this down, uh, Coach. You're so getting fired. You want to do that dance for four weeks in a row? Terry Bradshaw lost his mind, apparently, on Fox. I did not see the video of it, but I've heard him before. We've played for you before the insane take that Terry Bradshaw has that They should get rid of Rodgers and keep McCarthy. Well, too late for that. Unless maybe now Terry wants to get rid of Rodgers as well as having gotten rid of McCarthy. I think there's a couple things with Bradshaw. Number one, he's just a hot take artist. He's playing a character and a caricature of himself. That's number one. Number two, I believe CTE is real, at least with him, and I think it's creeping in. And number three, I think he just hates Rodgers. Quarterback to quarterback, he just hates Rodgers. Bradshaw has some weird-ass beefs that he just can't get over. He's had a beef with the Steelers for quite some time, the organization. And he doesn't like Tomlin either. Loves McCarthy, hates Tomlin. I don't want to tell you right there, Terry Bradshaw's opinion on this is not worth a shot glass of spit. But hey, he got his take off after the news broke. McCarthy consistently played not to lose instead of playing to win the game. 
And that is one of the great sins of any coach in the NFL. And he did this, ironically enough, after he already had a ring on his finger. That's what's crazy. After he had that one in the barn, he should have been more aggressive. The Seattle game was that total debacle that deserved to get him fired years ago. I think players did not fear him. And I think there is a way to create a a healthy culture of fear, if that makes any sense. I think obviously Belichick has it in New England. Anytime you have a guy run the ball out of the end zone and then fucking fumble it like Ty Montgomery did in that Rams game and deny Aaron Rodgers a chance to you know go win the game for you, that tells you right there the players on that team in that locker room, they didn't give two shits about McCarthy. Maybe they thought he was out anyway. His schemes were not particularly innovative, although I am not enough of an expert to really say that with any great confidence. That seems to be the prevailing wisdom. And like I said, Rodgers bailed him out time and time again. Do I take great glee in the personal firing of Mike McCarthy? No. No, nobody does. Getting fired sucks. But then again, he's a millionaire. And then again, he's going to get hired by another team in some capacity soon, so he'll go on making another million or so a year. So in that regard, fuck him. It's about damn time he was tired. Now you can go rearrange your quarterback room at home, Mike, which I'm sure you have a quarterback room at home, just to your liking. Okay. Who should replace him? (laughs) Oh. Well, that's an interesting question. I don't have a long list. I have heard one name already. Excuse me, obviously, Josh McDaniels being a possibility. Uh, Offensive-minded guy, young guy. Everyone's going to be searching for the next McVeigh. McDaniels was McVeigh before McVeigh, but without the success in Denver. Maybe the second time around, he'll be better. He had the Colts job and then gave it up and went back running to – Papa Belichick's side. I think he's the coach in waiting up there in New England, so not sure you could get him. But hes he's not the guy that I would get. I'm going to throw a name out there which you guys might think, you Packer fans might think is insane. Ready? Sitting down? Okay, here we go. Greg Williams. Uh-huh. What the hell did you just say? You heard me. Greg Williams is the asshole you need. And let me tell you why. Oh, yeah, he is a mega asshole. And, like McCarthy, has a very healthy ego. But he's a defensive guy. Well, you know, with Rodgers not liking the way McCarthy ran the offense, we got to get an offensive guy. Uh-uh, uh-uh, time out. Not as your head coach. You do not need an offensive guy as your head coach. In fact, I think it can be counterproductive at times with specific quarterbacks and sometimes with really good quarterbacks. I say you get a guy like Greg Williams who's an asshole, who is going to bring in a whirlwind of, oh, shit, things are different around here. He is not fucking around. And then he's going to get an offensive coordinator that Rodgers can vibe with, can connect with, and let them do their thing. And that way, Greg Williams is going to be like, all right, Rodgers, you got your guy. Go cook up your offense or whatever. Uh, I could give two shits about what you're doing. You're great. You're going to be great. I'm not worried about it. Meanwhile, 
I'm over here on this side of the ball. I'm going to build a defense in Green Bay that is going to be an absolute pack of wolves that is going to tear teams limb from limb. And I don't know if you have the worst day of your life and, uh, you know, go five for 57 for 82 yards and four picks, we're still going to win 10 to nine because my defense is going to be that fucking good. You know why? I'm Greg Williams. I'm the asshole you need. These these offensive-minded head coaches a lot of times get way too enamored with their offense. And they tell the quarterback, well, you got to fit yourself into my offense because my offense is pristine. My offense is the best. I've seen it way too many times. And especially when you get an offensive head coach who also happened to be a quarterback like Jay Gruden here in D.C., Every time they look at the film and they see a quarterback make a mistake, and this is how it was with Kirk. Well, why didn't you throw that route? Why didn't you throw this? Why did you... They're coaches who used to be quarterbacks, and with the benefit of the All-22 film and a day to look at it, everything looks easy. Instead of in the heat of the moment, like, okay, you're running for your life. You're trying to read out a play in a split second for a look from a defense you haven't seen. You're going to make mistakes. So I think that might be something you might want to consider. Just don't rule it out. That's all I'm saying. Now here's a juicy one on the Packers front with a new head coach. Which job is better? Green Bay with Rodgers or Cleveland with Baker Mayfield? Hmm. Well, obviously, the Green Bay job comes with a lot more expectations, but a better quarterback and more history and a better fan base. Better? Okay, nicer fan base. Cleveland comes with an enticing young quarterback who still has a long way to go to be consistent. They've got a roster that is stocked with young talent. They've got more draft picks in the pipeline, but they have a total shitbird owner, a criminal owner who you can't trust. And you got a GM in Dorsey who I think is a complete tool. I would still favor Green Bay despite the expectations. If I'm a coach and I have my choice, and I know that Bruce Arians has already said, well, I'm only coming out of retirement if I can coach in Cleveland, which, by the way, is kind of arrogant, don't you think? Maybe he's going to add Green Bay to that. I think the time has passed for Bruce Arians. So I would say if I'm a Packer fan, pass on that guy. But what's the better job, Green Bay or Cleveland? I think if, you, uh, if you're if you a coward and you want a low bar to hop over, Cleveland's your job. Because you win seven, eight, nine games, make the playoffs, sneak in as a wild card, you're a god. If you go to Green Bay, well, you know, if you want to be a legend, you go to Green Bay. And you say, I will take the pressure. I will take the expectations. I will handle the prickly Pete quarterback that is Aaron Rodgers. And I'm going to win here. And I'm going to get it done. Now let's talk about good old Kareem Hunt. (laughs) Well, well, well. What a debacle. By the way, that chuckle was not a chuckle. Excusing, condoning, or making light of domestic violence. Which, by the way, this particular incident was not domestic violence. Just because you kick and push and attack a woman does not mean you've committed domestic violence. This is an important point, and it's one that I think we should just 
throw out before we get too deep into this. On Twitter, a lawyer pointed out, here's the reason that you know domestic violence is an especially pernicious issue. It's because there's a power structure and there's a power dynamic that leaves the woman who is being battered and abused even more vulnerable. Because for them, it's not so easy to go, well, that's it, I'm out of here, I'm going to go live somewhere else and give up everything in life, including perhaps her own children. But there is a power dynamic in which the abuser manipulates and you know, physically abuses and then backs off and says, I'm so sorry, it'll never happen again. And then re-earns the trust of his, you know, his spouse and then does it all over again. And the danger of a woman who is in an abusive relationship who wants to leave, the most danger they face, according to experts, is when they make the decision to actually leave. Because that can set crazy motherfuckers right off and over the edge. The, the, the psychopath, scumbag piece of shit that shot up the hospital in Chicago uh, two weeks ago? Oh, yeah. It was because his fiance broke off their engagement and, I think, did not return the ring, which is a whole separate thing. I don't know how true that is. Uh, I would advise any woman who has broken off an engagement, give the ring back. Seriously. It's just, you may be entitled to it legally. It varies state by state. But unless your husband is a real Prince Charming, sort of like the boss in the movie 27 Dresses with Katherine Heigl, and says, just keep the ring. It's okay. I'll find somebody else. Give the ring back just to sort of lower the temperature there, if nothing else. So that's domestic violence, and and that's why domestic violence is often underreported because the woman feels like, well, I'm trapped. What can I do? I've got nowhere to live. I've got no way to make money, and he's going to threaten taking the kids away from me. It's an awful thing. This was not domestic violence. This was uh, a young woman who had happened to meet up with Kareem Hunt after a night on the town in the Cleve, Cleveland, and ended up in the hallway outside his hotel room. And it went south from there. Kareem Hunt is a fucking idiot and a piece of shit for the way he went after her. I don't care what you say. Oh, she said the N-word. Maybe, maybe not. And if she did, that's wrong and despicable. But still, he was going after her with three or four guys, his boys, trying to hold him back. I mean, honestly. Really? Of course, he thought, nobody's ever going to see this. Luckily, the police came, and he was able to lie to the police. Oh, no, I was in my room. And they didn't press charges. And the woman didn't press charges because she's only 19 years old and obviously probably was at some legal jeopardy for drinking and maybe just didn't want to upend her own life. And the whole thing just sort of, just sort of, you know, wafted into the ether. Where's the shield police, huh, Roger? Well, you know, uh, we like to make sure that we do a thorough job. The shield police are completely impotent. Oh, no, we, we tried to get the tapes. We couldn't. Yet again. Oh, no, we, we we talked to the police department. We tried to get a hold of and interview the, the victim in this case, the woman. But she didn't want to talk or they couldn't get a hold of her. Which, by the way, is a semi-valid argument. The NFL does not have subpoena power over individual citizens. And they don't have to come talk to the NFL if they don't want to. If this was just a night to forget and this woman wants to go back to living her life, she has every right in the world to tell Goodell and the shield police, and the hand of Friel, fuck off, 
I'm not talking. That said, though, somebody should have known. Wait, where did this happen? In the hallway. Okay, um, there's got to be video of this. I would hope the NFL right now is searching frantically for video in the Reuben Foster situation because that happened at a team hotel the night before the game. Now, apparently it happened in the room, which would mean there was not video, but maybe there's video of him chasing his girlfriend down the hallway in a rage after she uh, had the phone slapped out of her hands in his room. Don't know. If I'm the NFL, I always assume there is video and it is going to come out. TMZ does it again. Maybe the NFL should just hire Harvey Levin or put them on retainer or maybe better yet, buy out TMZ, lock, stock, and barrel because they could. I don't know what TMZ is worth. I'm sure it's a pretty healthy media entity, but the NFL is the NFL. They're the big mothership that can gobble anybody up. Buy up TMZ and then put them out of business. Just turn the cameras off. Take everyone's big gulps in their foam, styrofoam cups. Knock down the cubicle walls. Tell all the photogs and all the reporters, it's been nice, but we're done here. No, wait, we got a show to put. No, no, we're done with the NFL. We bought you, and this is never going to happen. Then embarrassing videotapes of NFL players kicking and going after like a crazed animal, a woman just because she wouldn't sleep with somebody in your entourage or said the N-word or wouldn't leave or called this other woman that you were with a bitch or a hoe. Who knows? Who cares? Then those videotapes that embarrass the league so much would not come out because you bought TMZ. TMZ is the one entity that can coax anything out of a hotel. It now brings me to the entire situation regarding the commissioner's exempt list and teams and what they might do with Kareem Hunt going forward. It's not Ray Rice in that it wasn't domestic abuse. And Ray Rice was 31 years old, 30 years old at the time. He was in decline statistically, although I still think he got blackballed from the league, just like Colin Kaepernick's being blackballed from the league. And I think both guys were blackballed without a single memo, without a single memo, uh, without a single memo, without a single meeting, without a single conference call. Blackballing by common understanding, if you will, or common sense by owners. All they have to do is go, you know what? I don't think we should sign him. And that's all it takes is 32 owners figuring out which way the wind is blowing. That almost happened, remember, in the NFL with the uncapped year at the end of the last collective bargaining agreement. But then two guys, Jarrah and Danny Boy, said, well, let's go bury some contracts in this year. This is great. Uncapped year? Here, all this dead Hainsworth money? Dig a hole. We're going to bury it in there. And then John Mara had to come out and go, yeah, we had agreed we weren't going to do that. (laughs) Which to me is the most smoking gun for collusion I've ever heard or seen. And yet somehow Demora Smith and all their lawyers for the union couldn't make a ham sandwich out of that shocking revelation. And the subsequent penalties that the league handed down for basically ignoring the agreed-upon approach to the uncapped year. So I think Ray Rice, there was the same kind of thing where it's like, yeah, we're not going to. That was a really bad video. Could have cost us millions and millions of dollars. 
hurt us PR-wise very badly, almost took our commissioner out. No, no, we're not signing Ray Rice. Fuck him. There's a billion other running backs. He's never going to play in the league again. Oh, but you know, uh, he went through all the programs. No, fuck him. Never. That's what the owners said collectively. They didn't have to have a memo. They didn't have to have a meeting. And that's the same thing with Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Even the more progressive owners and more progressive teams out there and the hardcore liberal teams out there in the most hardcore, deep blue liberal cities, even they are like, yeah, you know, we'd do it, but we can't. It's, it'd be frowned upon. So Kareem Hunt is in his prime. He's in his, what, third year in the league, second year in the league, and he's really, really good. I think he's going to play again in the NFL because talent always trumps. If there's enough talent and you're not in decline, and let's face it, Rice and Kaepernick were in decline, and this is not bad as the Rice videotape, I don't think, and it's not as league-wide of a problem or an issue as Kaepernick and the kneeling, I think Kareem Hunt's going to get another shot. So, who's going to take that shot? Many people joked, well, Zabe, you're Redskins. Should make a move. Why not? In for a dime, in for a dollar. You already took the PR hit on Reuben Foster. What's more of a PR hit? From a purely logical standpoint, I, I get it. And there's merit to that argument. It's like being out in the rain when you're finally soaking wet. There's no point in coming inside or popping an umbrella. You're soaking wet. You can't get any more wet. What will another 50 tut-tut columns and blogs from the NFL media or 10 more segments on first take with Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith frowning and tut-tutting you? I can't believe the Redskins are doing this. What's that going to do? The only hiccup in all this is the fact that the league swooped in to put him on the commissioner's exempt list More on that in a second. And the Chiefs then released him afterwards. So he is in limbo. And according to Ian Rappaport, the NFL is now looking into another case involving him punching a man from this summer, which didn't result in anything. Of course, you can punch other men unprovoked in this league all day, every day, and you're probably not going to get suspended. You cannot kick a woman and have it be on videotape and have TMZ get that videotape without being in deep, deep shit. Because remember, it's a league of optics. And it's a league of don't make us look stupid. So who's going to pick him up and how does it work? Well, he's he's in the parking lot in Goodell's parking lot right now. And they're saying they're going to investigate this other case. Hell, Kareem Hunt already went on TV and admitted to doing what he did to Lisa Salters. As far as the incident in Cleveland with the woman and the kicky kick and the punchy and the shovey shove, that there's nothing to investigate. That's it. Done. He admitted it. It's now the league saying, well, we're going to investigate this other thing first. That's going to allow them to slow walk this so that this year bleeds out. He'll miss the final five games, I believe, of this year. Five, six, four games. I'm losing track. Final five games of this year. And then they can hit him with a six-game suspension next year. And then we'll see if any team dares to pick up Kareem Hunt. I don't want my Redskins to do that because I think guys like this are unreliable and they're low character 
and they will end up hurting you in the end. And the, there's an argument to, made, to be made that the Redskins have Darius Geis coming off his knee injury, and uh, they're hoping he's going to be pretty good. Of course, you could always use more running backs, but no, bottom line is I don't want to be in the business of getting Reuben Foster's and, and Kareem Hunt's. Shithead guys end up being not worth the headache nine out of ten times. There are the high-profile reclamation cases where the Patriots will pick up you know, Randy Moss when it looks like he's about out of the league, shine him up, and then have this incredible season with him. But they're few and far between, and the Patriots are able to do it because of who they are and how much they have won and Belichick and Brady and everything else. My team, we can't pull that off. So there's nothing to investigate. If you're Kareem Hunt, you would be begging the league to be like, look, I know I'm not on a team, so I'd really like to start my suspension now. But the, the NFL's not going to do that. It's almost like if this happens in the future, if you are a player, you should self-report. Self-report like, an, like a college program that has committed violations. Self-report to get it over with. Because as long as there is not videotape, and as long as you have not, say, done the kind of damage that Chris Brown did to Rihanna, when it comes to assault, if you tell the league, hey, this happened, I did it, I throw myself at your mercy, it was a one-time deal, I'm not going to do it again, I'm going to go through all the you know rehab steps, take your six games. Take it and move on. It's, you know, it's like any other suspension for PEDs or anything else. As long, by the way, as there is no videotape. One last note about Kareem Hunt's interview with Lisa Salters, which was, I thought, not not really great or favorable for him. He just sort of went through a bunch of rehearsed platitudes that I'm sure his media coach told him to say and to act contrite and talk in a voice like this and everything else. Did you notice he wore the good boy sweater? Yeah, yeah. Now, it was a black sweater, and it looked sort of like a sweatshirt, but it was a sweater. I'm counting it as a good boy sweater. And for those that don't know the good boy sweater or the sweater of contrition is an alternate nickname I came up uh, with today about this. It's when somebody who wants to present themselves as a little softer, a little bit not so mean, ends up wearing a sweater in a public setting. There's a famous photo of the Menendez brothers who shotgunned their own parents to death brutally back in the 1980s and went to prison for it, thank God, for a long time. May still be in prison for all I know. I haven't checked. One one time in court, I don't know what it was, maybe on appeal, maybe during a court you know, day, <laughs> they're wearing these bright sweaters like the Brady Bunch. And I never forgot that image, and I'm thinking, yeah, that'll do it. All the evidence is... Plain and simple evidence, we shotgun murdered our parents in their sleep in our own house. But look, a sweater. Albert Hainsworth, when he signed with the Redskins, that $100 million deal. Remember, he was highly sought after by a number of teams around the league, but he had just stomped on Andre Garrod's head. He had had some other off-field incidents in Tennessee. And his first introductory presser with the Redskins, he's wearing a big blue sweater. And I'm like... There is no fucking way you wear that sweater, Albert, in your normal day-to-day life. Not a chance. But he wanted to present himself as, hey, hey, I'm just Albert Hainsworth. And he turned out to be a complete bag of shit. 
a lazy lie on the field, get into road rage incidents on our toll roads, uh, grope waitress, bag of shit. All right, the college football playoff is set, and the usual arguments are being made over Oklahoma being put in over Georgia. Tough, tough break for Georgia. I tweeted during the game, during the Georgia-Alabama game, in which Georgia was just landing haymaker after haymaker, just killing them. I said during the game, I go, you know what, I got my four. No matter what happens in this game, I said I've got my four. Implying, of course, that I want that I would endorse and say it should be Notre Dame, Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. Whatever happens is what I said. Well, what happened was Alabama engineered another comeback for the ages, of which they've had many of them, of which they've now had two against Georgia and Kirby Smart in that building in the last 11 months. Dagger. I didn't anticipate that, and so my mind, uh, my thought process kind of changed a little bit afterwards, thinking, God, I could reward a really game Georgia effort in which they just lose by saying, you know what, they're really good, and they're better than Oklahoma, and they deserve to be in, even with two losses. But I had a hard time mentally getting behind rewarding a choke. And that's what that was. It was a choke. No disrespect to Jalen Hurts, who played incredibly. Coming off, by the way, ankle surgery that's only like a month or so old. Kind of crazy. And no disrespect to him or Alabama's comeback, but that was a, that was a choke. And, and, and the fake punt at the 50, Alabama was so ready for that. You know, you, you run in this backup third-string quarterback who's some hot stud we're going to be seeing in the next couple of years, and you put him in that you know, protector position, you're like, oh, wonder what he's doing in there. And then they should just take it, a, you know, if not using a timeout, they should just eat in the five-yard penalty, don't snap it, and the away you go. Then, then you can punt it, live another day. Because Georgia's defense was, you know, even though Jalen Hurts had, had, had got, him, got him a few times with some plays, I think they were close to really figuring it out. Okay, we got him now. We got him now. But, you know, so Oklahoma's really good. I love Kyler Murray. Everybody loves watching Kyler Murray. He is a blur out there. He's now starting to reconsider, I understand, playing baseball that he may want to play in the pros. I have no idea if he can play in the pros. He's small, and he runs around a lot. And small runaround guys in the NFL do not last. It's a passing position. It's good if you can move some and scramble some, but runaround guys don't last. Hella fun to watch. Oklahoma's fun to watch. They score a ton of points. They gave Alabama fits last year in the semis. So I think they'll be a worthy opponent. And for Georgia, sucks. What can you say? So we got a good Final Four. Nice, attractive-looking Final Four. We don't have to look at a two-loss team being in there. We don't have to you know, bitch about the SEC getting two teams in there. And it's a nice representation. Yes, three of the four teams were in it last year. Notre Dame's the new one. But do you want the best teams, or do you want new just for the sake of new? Everybody wants eight. I can get behind eight. I can get behind six in giving the top two buys. And I think we're going to get there on the eight. I think it's going to take another couple years. Someone is going to have to give up a chunk of money in return for something else. Because any way you move that playoff, any you know, if you expand it and you start saying, well, let's get rid of the conference championships, 
yeah, the conference championship for the Pac-12 and maybe the Big Ten might be money losers, especially when a team like Northwestern gets in and they bring their 3,000 fans. But for the SEC, their conference championship is a money maker, and they don't want to give that up. And maybe the Big 12 as well when they hold it at Jarrah World. So someone's going to have to give up some chunk of revenue for the greater good to expand this to eight teams. It's not going to solve everything, though, because we'll just move our bitching to the nine spot. Instead of the bitching on the five spot, we're going to bitch about the nine spot and make an argument there. Of course, if you had subscribed to and listened to last Friday's Football Five Ways Friday podcast, you would have heard me and Mark Packer of SiriusXM's ESPNU channel agree that the way to go is five power conference automatic or five power conference your conference champion gets in and yes that means there might be a scub or two that gets through then you give one permanent seat to the non-power five schools the best of the rest and then you've got two at-large berths to mop up any other really good teams that just missed their conference championship that's what i'd do for eight instead we got four and I'm not going to go ahead and even remotely pick winners or give you an angle on the games because they're a month away, for God's sakes. What is not a month away is tonight's Redskins-Eagles Monday night football game. And I have a confession to make. I have a confession and a plea. My confession is I don't have hardly any Redskin friends. I've got one good Redskin friend, and that would be One Account Rhodes. And One Account Rhodes is such a fanatic Redskin friend that he is now pissing the shit out of me by tweeting me all the time, now with four, five games left in the season, who are we going to get as a coach? Gruden's got to go. You know this thing's going to add Nate and eight. I want to hear names. Let's go. What do you think? I'm like, Jesus, Rhodesy. We got we got five games left in the year. Let's We got all offseason to deal with this. Let's just see how these five go, for God's sakes. But that's how passionate he is. Uh, Lyle. Lyle Jackson's another good Redskin friend of mine. And I guess Mr. X is a good Redskin friend. I mean, Mr. X used to own Redskin season tickets, and he is very passionate, very knowledgeable about the Redskins. Although Mr. X being analytical, he's like, we're just going to suck forever. As long as Snyder owns the team, we're we're doomed. And I understand that. So I don't really have any friends, number one, but the friends that I do have, they're either not super hardcore Redskin fans, like John Ronis uh, of the Ronis Academy Golf Studios. He's a sports fan, but he's not a huge Redskin fan. Uh, Ron Thomas lives too far away, plus he's a Colts fan who's also kind of sworn off the NFL for various reasons. My buddy Hatch is a Cowboy fan. Cowboy Mike, obviously, is a Cowboy fan. Scott Lynn is my friend, but I work with him, and he knows everything about the Redskins. He's just not a fan. You know, he's a, he's a reporter, and he's an Eagle fan. What I need is Redskin friends who are good Redskin fans. Because what I wanted to do on Monday night, I wanted to go out somewhere and get some wings and watch the game with my Redskin friends. And I called One Account Roads, and I said, where are we going to go watch the game? He's like, uh, yeah, I got plans. And I won't say what those plans are because maybe certain people don't need to know about the plans, but he couldn't go out. And I was like, oh, okay. 
Well, I'll just go out with my other Redskin friends. Looks around, realizes I've got no Redskin friend fans. My brother, God bless him, big Nats fan, former Nats season ticket holder. Now maybe he no longer is a Nats fan because he did give up his season tickets. <laughs> kind of fed up with him. He gave up on the Redskins a long time ago. Like literally he doesn't follow the team at all and doesn't give a shit and probably is rooting for Dan Snyder to lose from now until the end of time. So my brother's out. So I need some Redskin friends. So I'm asking you, listeners, and especially listeners who live on the Virginia side of the river who might be able to meet up for these games on a Monday night to reach out to me via email and just say, I'm your guy, Zabe. Here's what I do. Here's where I live. Uh, here's my fandom. You don't have to send me a whole big resume. Just you know, a quick note about the level of fan that you are. And I'm going to start cultivating some new Redskin friends that I can go out and have some wings at Buffalo Wild Wings on a Monday night. Instead, I'll probably be in my basement cussing at Colt McCoy and just seething at what filthy, dirty, savages Eagle fans are and their fucking team. Go Redskins! Full recap on tomorrow's ZabeCast. I'll be up late to record that just for you. All right, real quick on week number 13 in the NFL. I'm not going to go too deep into detail because I've realized now it takes a good part of Monday, if not all day, to sort of see all the highlights and compile all the stuff that happened. It's On Sunday night, it, it, there's still a lot of stuff shaking out. Texans destroy the Browns. Browns just don't win away from home. And the Texans now 9-3 might be pretty good. I mentioned the Packers-Cardinals game. No, don't need to go over that. Ravens beat the Falcons. What a disappointment Atlanta's been this year. They fall to 4-8. and eight. The Ravens now 7-5 and five, right back in it. And that's 3-0 and oh now for Lamar Jackson, who didn't wow anybody with his throwing, did have to leave the game for a concussion. There was an RG3 sighting. And, of course, uh, Lamar Jackson ran in for a touchdown near the goal line, which is what he can do. The Broncos are not dead yet. Vance Joseph having the time of his life. They beat the woe-is-us Bengals. 24-10. to 10. Marvin Lewis so has to be fired. The Rams clinch their division in sort of a weird, gritty game against the Lions. They go to 11-1. and one. And this game featured one of the more bizarre plays when Todd Gurley, again, Todd, 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 with like two minutes and change to go, is running for a touchdown and says, you know what, I would like to sort of bleed some more time off the clock and starts running laterally along the goal line before getting tackled. I was kind of glancing up and looking at a couple of different games at once in the five-hour energy dome, and I'm like, hey, why is that? Why is Todd Gurley running that way? What the hell happened? How come that guy's yeah. running backwards? Yeah. Hey, this is arena football. Didn't you ever hear of a four-point conversion? Oh, <laughs> arena football sucks. Not only did Andrew Siciliano on the red zone say, yeah, Todd Gurley does not care about your fantasy team. He also didn't care about the spread. Because they were minus ten and they were up seven at the time, and you're thinking I'm going to lose the game. I'm going to lose my bet on this if I got the Rams minus the ten. They ended up punching it in on the other side of the two minute warning. Then the Lions came down, had a chance to maybe score a backdoor touchdown to fuck up the spread. They missed, and the Rams go to eleven and one, and of course have to be the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. The Dolphins beat the Bills twenty one seventeen. The big takeaway from this is that Josh Allen is a running. Fool. The most yards, I think, of anybody in week 13, like 135 yards. Nobody, and, and maybe I missed it. I don't remember anybody in the draft saying, this is a good dual threat quarterback, Josh Allen. 
Oh, no, all I heard was arm strength, arm strength, arm strength. Ran it like a fool. The Dolphins, for their one weekend a year, wore the glorious throwback uniforms with the throwback logos of the traditional Dolphin. And they painted the end zones like the old Orange Bowl. Oh, my God, it takes your breath away. It's so fucking gorgeous. They won the game, too, 21-17, in part because uh, some dummy for the Bills dropped a wide-open touchdown pass on a great play by Josh Allen with about two minutes in the game. Giants beat the Bears in overtime. Odell Beckham Jr. is a total bitch. Yeah, he threw for a touchdown. Yeah, he caught one, but it was the onside kick, successful onside kick by the Bears that everyone was talking about because Odell Beckham Jr. put back there as one of the hands guys, makes a business decision, kind of like Cam Newton, to, oh boy, I'm not going in there for that ball. I might get hurt. After the game, reporters asked him about it, and Odell Beckham Jr. said, you can never question my heart or my effort. Oh, really? Okay. Either way, the Giants won the game. They've won three of the last four. They're four and eight. Might be a tougher out for my Redskins coming up here in a couple of weeks than uh, we thought. The Buccaneers beat the Panthers 24-17. Jameis Winston, pretty nice day. And the Panthers and Cam Newton. Cam, four interceptions. God, he stunk. Speaking of stink, the Jaguars beat the Colts 6 to nothing. I saw very little of that game. I've got to do a deep dive on Monday to figure out how and why was it so awful. Titans rallied to beat the Jets 26 to 22. Chiefs beat the Raiders but don't cover 40 to 33 in a high-scoring affair there. Patriots over the Vikings 24 to 10. That's what they do New England in December. They just win. Kirk Cousins was not great, 200 yards and change, threw a bunch of checkdowns. Patriots held tackling practice on five-yard dump downs all game long. couple of picks for Kirk as well. And uh, Tom Brady rushed for over 1,000 yards and made sure in the final kneel down, that asshole, to go forward for a yard so he wouldn't fall behind the 1,000-yard mark. Who does that mean he's retiring? No, it just means Tom Brady is a meticulous, psychotic, overachieving, greatest quarterback of all time, asshole. And the Seahawks destroyed the Niners. Why did I think the Niners would make this close? I'm an idiot. 43-16. to 16. Seahawks are 7-5, and five and they are coming on like gangbusters. All right, we'll leave you with this today. Man, do I love the holidays. And now that we're into December, I am now in the holiday spirit. I'm ready. I'm in, baby. Start listening on XM to all their holiday channels. They've got like four or five of them. They move them around a lot, so I don't know where they went, but I'll find them. I'll put them on the presets. And I love Charlie Brown Christmas, of course. And I love the song Christmas Time by the Vince Guaraldi Trio, which is identified directly with that special. Well, I came across there was a John Legend special Christmas special with the lovely Chrissy Teigen there, and they played a version of Christmas Time. I'm going to leave you with it today. If you are a jazz band nerd like me, because I played in them in high school, and you appreciate that style of music, man, are you going to love this rendition. I even made sure to pull the video of it because the live performance was very beautifully shot, beautifully staged. But here is Christmas Time by John Legend and his band from the Christmas special to get us in a Christmas mood to start December.
Christmas time is here. Happiness and cheer, yeah. One for all the children call their favorite time of year. Bells in the air and beauty everywhere. You tied by the fireside and joyful memories there. Christmas time is here. Such spirit through the That'll do it for me today. Thanks for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like, and tell three friends. Remember, podcasts are the future. It's like Netflix for your ears. Now go untangle your lights from the box in the garage and get cracking, and we will see you next time.